Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a new year of the Finnovate podcast. Hope you all had an enjoyable holiday break and end of year. We are kicking off our 2024 by talking to Tamara Steffens, Managing Director at Thomson Reuters Ventures. Tamara, thank you so much for taking the time to connect with me here. Thanks, Greg. I'm, I'm delighted to be here and Happy New Year. Yeah, so we're going to be talking a lot about high level where the fintech ecosystem is uh, and what we can expect to see over the course of the next year and beyond. But to start, will you give us just a quick background on yourself and how you came to work at TR Ventures? Yeah, so I've been in the startup world for many years, 20 plus, um, mostly working with companies out of the Bay Area. Um, I think all of them were out of California. My previous stint was at M12, which was Microsoft Ventures, um, after an acquisition of my last company called Accompli, which if you're familiar with Outlook Mobile, then you'll know what Accompli is. But I think I was addicted to startups and then ended up in a big company and then landed in their venture fund, talking to founders and, and writing checks. And I really loved it. Um, the folks from TR reached out and said, we're starting a brand new fund. We like what was done at M12, can you replicate it here? And we talked about what their focus was. Super thesis-driven company, very focused in legal tax and risk, fraud, and compliance. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, love the fact that they were thesis-focused and I got to start it from scratch. So we're going on two years as of January 31st. Yeah, that's great. Congratulations and off to a strong start. So what would you say are your priorities right now for TR Ventures? What what kind of areas are you guys focusing on? Yeah, so going into year three, we're going to look at the same thing we've done and, and repeat the formula. We, you know, we generally focus on Series A. So opportunistically, we have invested in a couple of seed um, stage companies where we think we can really support and help. Difficult for funds who aren't set up to support seed stage companies to invest. You have to be very conscious, I think, of that. So we're careful not to take on too many seed investments. But Series A in um, tax, legal, and risk fraud and compliance, um, think of us as investing in Horizon 3. So we tend to acquire or build a lot of what is needed now. And then as we look at the future and where the fintechs are you know, pushing and legal tech is pushing, we like to invest there and partner and you know, go to market and try to understand and help them um, grow their market with our customers. Yeah, that's great. Really interesting. Um, so, you know, I'd like to take things up to a super high level with a simple question that's going to be probably pretty tough to answer. And it's this, is the fintech ecosystem healthy right now? And you can put healthy in quotation marks if you like, if it helps to conceptualize. But, you know, is broadly speaking, is the industry doing about what it should be doing? Is it functioning in the way that it should be functioning? I do think there's a, still a lot of innovation that's happening, and we've seen a lot of startups that I really do consider pushing out to that Horizon 3, and at Microsoft, we used to say even Horizon 4. Um, so we are seeing a lot of great new tech. So I, I do think um, innovation is is happening. Um, I think for the companies, the 
early stage companies that may have raised in 2020, 2021, they may or may not be able to step into the shoes um, and the valuations that they raised at. So there's going to be, you know, a few bumps in the road here, particularly, I think, in 2024. Um, there's another infamous uh, venture capitalist podcaster that uh, I think he referred it to it as kicking the can down the road that was happening in 2023 with extensions and safes and A pluses and B pluses. And um, I, I think right now they're going to have to figure out, do I have enough cash to survive? What am I going to do to get me you know, through the next 24 to 36 months? And so fintech has always been um, a big area. It was very big in 2020 and 2021. So I th think some of those companies are going to come up against a backstop and and have to determine, you know, what direction to take as far as, you know, getting additional capital to keep going. But I think it's still plenty of innovation in fintech um, to be had. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I tend to agree with you. You know, I think uh, people sometimes think of a healthy industry as being one that is, um, you know, without pain. And, and I think, you know, as much as we wish that could be the case, the honest truth is not every company that gets that gets funded will end up going on and um, having a successful exit. That's the reality that we live in. And I think for a while, we potentially as an industry drifted a little bit too far away from valuations that we could actually back up with anything in the real world. And, and so now, you know, there's this greater emphasis on getting to profitability more quickly. Uh, there's a greater emphasis, I think, on doing less uh, with more. And, and I know some of the folks that I talked to on the fintech side will disagree with with that viewpoint and say, well, if you're going to build something that's going to become a world beater, you need to have a lot of capital in order to go and do it because it's a really difficult thing to do, which is valid. I think that's true. But I think that also needs to be balanced with this idea that, you know, you do have to demonstrate a path to profitability. You have to demonstrate a way that you can run lean um, that that will make it uh, yourself a more attractive uh, option for, for venture capitalists like yourself. So, I think there is certainly, um, you know, I'm not saying that the pendulum is exactly in the right spot right now, but I think we're getting closer to propping up valuations of companies that we can actually sustain and that can actually be backed up by real world results. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think from your standpoint in Series A, um, what are you kind of, how are you looking at it when you see companies, are you asking them to be, uh, to have some revenue coming in already? Yeah, we we generally focus on post revenue. So, and I would say north of a million. Um, much of what we look at has, you know, two million. We like to see product market fit. Difficult for us to help a, a early stage company that doesn't have a shipping product because we're a corporate fund. And although we function with a financial return as our north star, which means we're just like any other venture fund. Financial return is how we get graded, if you will. It still matters what we can do for them um, and, and for that startup is to take them to market, right, with our customers or use the product internally, find some sort of distribution for them to grow the revenue. If they don't have revenue and a product shipping and that product market fit, it's probably not a perfect fit for us, right? Because we're usually pretty ready to partner in and go to market um, if it's something that's in our wheelhouse. And in tax and legal as an example, but in tax in particular, since we're talking about fintech, 
we can even look at things that are surrounding, you know, if you will, the tax world, right? So payments and um, you and I were talking earlier, we just invested in a company called Payall that was also invested in by Andreessen um, that's cross-border payments. And early stage, they do have product market fit now. They've got some revenue. Andreessen, you know, gave them a pretty good seed round to get them going. Um, I think they've utilized it wisely. Um, but when you're talking about fintech and what you referenced earlier, not everyone is going to win right now i'm betting they will i think they have one of the best cross border payment solutions we've seen and we've looked at a lot of areas or you know adjacent areas and and companies in that space so we're going to bet on them but the reality is every venture deal is a bet right is it going to go that direction for cross border payments are they do they have the right solution that you know the banks are going to pick up and use that um, so it, it's a, you know, everything's a bet and you're, you, like you said, everybody's not gonna, you know, make it to the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just the, one of the unfortunate realities and having been in the industry for a while, certainly I've seen some, um, really strong companies who haven't quite been able to get there. Um, so where, where do you see the biggest opportunities right now in fintech? You, you kind of hinted at this a little bit with some of the pieces that you're investing in, but what, where do you think the, there are holes that the current fintech ecosystem isn't properly serving? You know, I hate to be a broken record and say AI, but because we focus so much on tax, ta tax is a very, very difficult problem to solve, right? And so there's corporate tax, there's... Um, personal tax, small business tax, mid-market, um, all of the, you know, things around it that you need to make it work. Um, and I think it's just an area where artificial intelligence is going to be able to do a lot, right? So think about reading all the tax rules, tax laws that literally change daily. And so understanding those and being able to apply those for the benefit, in most cases, you want to have good software, good CPAs, good advisors that are looking at what they can do to help you um, with your tax burden, either as a corporate or as an individual. So I, I think tax is just an area that is ripe for disruption. And a lot of the adjacencies around tax, right? Um, we, we talked to a very cool company earlier this week that has, you know, is working with um, Anthropic as their LLM, but they're pulling data from the IRS and they're able to work with life insurance companies to help them determine whether this company is insurable, the employees are insurable. It's a very interesting market and in how they've been able to automate something that's been done manually for many, many years. And now using AI, they can basically replicate that in a matter of seconds. So I do think there's going to be a lot of disruption in fintech broadly, um, but I do think tax is going to be able to benefit from AI right away. So I think you're going to see a lot of people jump on that bandwagon in 2024. A lot of people jumped on the legal AI bandwagon in 2023. We made a bunch of investments in that space, uh, even a couple of acquisitions and, and our products, we certainly continued to, you know, adapt them and, and, and add more AI. We've always had, we've always had products that have had AI in them, but, you know, we've added to them as well. So I think, the you know 2023 was the year of legal 2024 will be the year of tax yeah yeah i mean certainly it's a massive pain point 
Um, and I think it's an area where there are uh, there's obviously significant revenue to be made. And, and anytime you have a, a situation where you have a number of people who are struggling with something and there's it's something that they can't avoid, it seems like a perfect fit to go and uh, um, make sure that you are, are tackling that space. So, you know, this is a, our first uh, episode of the year, and it wouldn't be right, I think, to let you off the hook without forcing you to make some sort of big, bold prediction about 2024. Um, before I ask the question, I'm just going to make sure that we're clear. This is going to absolutely be for posterity. There's a ton at stake here. We're going to come back, circle up with you at the end of the year. And if it's not exactly how you said it was going to go, we're going to really hold your feet to the fire. No, I am, of course, kidding. Um, there's really not much at stake here. But just curious about your uh, your, your answers to um, th this question, which is, what do you think is going to happen this year that's going to catch a lot of people by surprise? Yeah, at first I thought you were going to ask me who was going to win the National College Football uh, title, and I have no idea. So No, it's um, already happened. Remember, this is the beginning of the, uh, <laughs> this is the first week of January. That's right. That's illusion. right. So I, I <laughs> could predict it, I guess, right? I could, and everybody would think I was a genius. Um, so, you know, I would say a lot of people, and even in some of the articles that I read yesterday from, from a number of analysts, um, that they're predicting that interest rates are going to get cut next year and that we're going to see more upward movement in the market. I don't believe that. I believe the Fed is going to hold interest rates for the entirety of 2024 because they've been pretty conservative and, frankly, in my opinion, maybe raised rates too high too fast Um that said, you know, it did it did help, I believe, from from um, bringing down inflation. But I don't think they're going to hurry to bring those rates down. So I don't think we're going to see those rates come down in 2024. And what that means is there's going to be the same type of business climate that we had in 2023, where corporations were hesitant to make new investments and and spend a ton on um, tech, but the good news is I do see some movement even in this quarter. I think corporations are loosening up. We're seeing numbers from many of our startups there. They appear to be having better Q4s um, than they anticipated. So and that seems to be, you know, pretty, pretty common um, with many of our startups. So I do think there will be um, an upside because corporations will start to loosen up next year. But I don't see interest rates coming down. And what that means is LPs that can generally continue to give money to venture funds, new funds or funds that aren't really established and have like a great track record are going to have a difficult time um, trying to raise in 2024. It's not going to be impossible, but I think we're going to see smaller funds. So that means there's going to be smaller checks. And so companies raising in 2024 are going to have to do more with less. And that's common. That's not a um, a prediction. Everybody's been saying it. Um, I've been around for a while. So my first startup was in 1996. We went public in 99. And I can promise you, we didn't raise any money until the very last second. So we had only given up 10% of the company, which turned out to be amazing. Um, and we were able to go and do an IPO. But that is very, very rare. And you know, so to hear that a company can bootstrap all the way to the finish line of an IPO or all the way to the finish line of a, a sale is, is unheard of because there's been 
so much venture capital out there. And I think those days are going to change. I think that the idea of bootstrapping a company is going to be in vogue again um, if it isn't already. Yeah. Well, certainly, I think having seen uh, some of the, a lot of the industry before it really got frothy back in you know, 2012, 2013 timeframe, there were a lot of uh, founders who were really leery about how much capital they wanted to take, what they actually needed it for. And we did see a lot of companies who were kind of rejecting VC funding for as long as they possibly could, to your point. And I think that that really worked out well for a lot of them. Now, if you're in a company that needs that capital for something specific, then of course, you should go out and, and get that capital. But getting away from the kind of ego side of it, which is, well, we got this much funding, which makes our valuation, you know, over a billion dollars. Now we're a unicorn again, take that out of it. Because if you just because you got a big series C doesn't make you a unicorn, right? And I think this is where the ego potentially got the better of some people who wanted to have the biggest rounds they could have the biggest valuations they could. And now maybe we'll see a departure from that. Maybe we'll see people who kind of approach it from the other side, which is more just how big can I make this completely on my own? Going to be fascinating to see. But my hope is that what ends up coming out of the market is a, a couple more sort of, you know, battle uh, ready, battle hardened, more resilient startups, which can do really impressive things. So. Um, yeah, we will we will have to leave it there, but I really appreciate you taking the time to to share your thoughts. Um, hopefully it is a strong 2024 for all of our listeners and, and for yourself. Tamara, thank you again for joining me. Thanks, Greg. It was super fun. Hope you have a great new year. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening. <laughs>